What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And uh, if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, saying a few nice words, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast into the tops of those iTunes charts and uh, helping strangers find the podcast, giving it more national and international visibility and a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing appreciate the hell out of all the people that have already taken the time to do so thanks for uh checking out the show in general just for tuning in much appreciation got uh episode 202 with salo panto coming at you had a a couple of the fellas had them on the podcast so uh we will get into that that conversation momentarily Don't forget to uh, check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and uh, live show performances, things of that nature going on there. All kinds of videos, a bunch of different genres of bands from uh, a bunch of studio sessions that we did in the the first couple years of this podcast. So check that out. Uh, Calendar dates. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? We got March 15th. My friends in Camp Crush are playing with Tents over, uh, over at Ron Tom's. And this is part of Ron Tom's Sunday sessions, which, uh, if you live in the Portland, Oregon area, highly recommend you go check out Ron Tom's on a Sunday. They do free shows every Sunday there, usually really killer lineups. And, um, during the summer, they have one of the best outdoor venues in the city for sure it's so killer and uh all other times they have the shows inside in the bar which is also like a huge space and um usually sounds pretty good in there as well so ron soms check those sunday sessions out and uh check out march 15th if you're around camp crush friends of mine and uh, a really cool band Hoping to uh, definitely have them on again this year sometime. And uh, and they're on it with Tents, who I have not seen, but I've heard that Tents are a uh, another great local band. So that's what's going on there. I, uh, I released episode two of Bible Buds with my buddy Andrew. Episode two of our... Uh, our new podcast is out, out and about. If you're uh, interested in hearing two people ramble on about some religion and uh, kind of exploring the uh, the Bible and getting uh, super baked while doing so, that's uh, that's going on. And I'll put the link in the episode notes along with everything else, the ones for Salo Painto and whatnot. But uh, yeah, episode two of that is up. Episode three is coming at you 
on Sunday. Doing Sunday releases for that. And um yeah, check it out. Give it a listen if uh if that seems like it's uh something up your alley. Um other than that, I don't really uh have any calendar dates or any any other great news to, to share with you this week. So I think we'll uh I think we'll slide right into this episode rather quickly this week. Um had a good time hanging out with Joe and Dave from Salopanto. Joe is the uh, the singer and, and guitar player, or one of the guitar players, and Dave plays drums. Salopanto is a really cool band, great band to see live. Um, I got to see them a little while back, and their uh, their show met the hype. I I had always heard great things about this band and I had seen them on some cool bills but never had the opportunity to see them and uh, I was super pumped that they uh, reached out to me and let me know that they put this new EP out which is called Bait and it's available on all the streaming services and we feature a few tracks in this episode off of that EP but they they put this new record out and um, I think it's really good and I was super uh super sucked in right away from that that first track on the record and and uh i tell joe and dave this i just feel like they they definitely uh tapped into a different level with this one and i really enjoy that the the two previous eps that they also have up on the uh the itunes and the the spotify's and all all that madness so uh if you like what you hear definitely go and check out more of the music. The 2020 somethings EP is is killer. That's got some great songs. And uh, yeah, but this this new one, Bait, is is really great. And uh, like I said, all the all the links in the episode notes. I'll put them there. Thanks to to Joe and and Dave for sitting down with me. Shout out to the rest of Salopanto. Hopefully, you know, next time we get to uh, we get to do more of a a group hang with more of the members. But uh, this was this is really great, and uh, to kind of dive into the mind of Joe and uh, some of his creative process, and uh, to get Dave's perspective on some things was was very cool as well. So this is it, everybody. We're gonna we're gonna do the thing, episode two hundred two with Salo uh, Pinto is coming at you. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Can't stress the importance of that enough. And we are gonna kick it off with the first track off of their new EP, which is called Bait, and that first track is Impatient Machine. Let's do the damn thing.
Welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Got Joe, David, Salo Panto hanging out. Uh, oh yeah, what stoked up, to, stoked to have you guys. Stoked to, just to talk about ourselves, man. I, it's, <laughs> what, it's what I do this for. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've definitely been hearing about your band for the last you know couple of years around town from seeing you guys on bills and whatnot with with other bands that. I've come across and always mm-hmm. heard very good things, but hadn't had the opportunity to see you guys live until, I don't know, maybe sometime over summer. You played at the library. It was that was Super May Secret 4th. Band. May the, yeah, was it was May, May the, the 4th. 4th. That's Star right. Star Wars Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was very my... Very significant day in, in many ways. Oh, yeah. That was my, my first Salo Panto experience, and, and I thought it was very cool. Yeah, uh, that was really awesome, actually. That was the first time ever playing in that room, mm-hmm. which was home to a uh, bizarre little renaissance set forth by the Lysergic Sound Department. But um, it, like the... Can you bring that thing just a little bit closer? The library... Thank you. Or as it was, the Growlers shut down for a long time. <clears throat> And so when they when they started like they passed like the fire permit and everything kind of got going again, we were stoked to finally get down there. And it had been a lot had been done to it. There was a really cool yeah. projectionist doing shows there. Uh, super secret band are awesome dudes. What's up, guys? Hi, super secret band. Um, he had the visuals going that night with the, the dude with yeah, the, the old school I don't projector. remember who that was, but it was very cool. Yeah, very analog. old school projector with just some like paints. That he was it just mm-hmm. brought you right back Water to biology color. class, yeah, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was definitely high school, middle school like equipment. <laughs> but definitely cool to have the visuals for you know your set and the the super secret mm-hmm. band. I feel like both of your guys' music is uh, you know that complements it well. Is it is it always extra special, or do you guys plan to have visuals at shows usually? Is that an important thing at all? Truth be told, if it's a possibility, we will we will do. It. I feel like at this point we've played more shows with them than without, but we've certainly played our share without having some kind of visual mm-hmm. representation of some someone. As of late, it's been Ryan Freed. The great Ryan Freed has done. Great work for us, <laughs> with us. Is it is it usually just like someone that's actually like talking with you guys about what they are going to to throw down, or is it kind of just a whatever happens that night? The guy who's go with it. The guy who's uh, directly involved with us now, or has been for the last maybe even year or, or so, has been working with bands in Portland for. Is is also long as long as I've ever known him, and before we were working with him, he was doing, uh, he was doing things for a band that Dave used to play in, 
He was he was doing uh, Caribbean explosion shows, English language shows, um, other ones. I just can't remember. But you know, we have friends in those bands. So I forget exactly how we came in contact with them, but I might have just reached out on Facebook. The blessing and curse that it is in all things music and you know whatever. And uh, <laughs> it's it's just really a, a, it's a common place for you know different artists of all kinds to put themselves out there and. I kind of went out and just blindly asked some certain community. It's like, you know, our guy had fallen through. We were working with somebody named Maxwell Williams or uh, Maxwell Hunter, Hunter, and uh, he just got too busy. Something he just, you know, we went a while without having visuals at all. And Ryan came came to the rescue, and you know, total rescue. I would say he's he's phenomenal. And uh, what he does, I guess, to kind of like double back is he will like communicate with bands before he'll come to rehearsals and listen and take it all in and then he'll you know f- perform according yeah He's, it's very much a, a performance for him and the things that he does for different bands are never necessarily duplicated the same way I, I don't know his process for sure but i've watched what he does and i've seen a lot of different things that he does yeah it's crazy uh, very, very original in the in the way he does things it's very rad that he takes the time to kind of mm-hmm. just come sit in and see what's going on and yep. see what he can do to to shape everything yeah. with, the, with the visuals. Oh man, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very lucky to work with him. He's amazing. Hi, Ryan. Um, what's up, Ryan? Cheers, Ryan. So I know everybody in the band except for you, Dave, come f- comes from Ohio, correct? That is correct. And we, we weren't a band in Ohio. The, okay, the band was started here. And then uh, kind of just beefed up over time, you know, with different, different, uh, more people came from. Did you guys know each other? Like, oh, yeah. Back in Ohio? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Some of us are cousins, Ed and Pat are cousins, and me and Mac, Max and I were in school together in college. We were, mm-hmm. you know, both in music school together and moved out here basically with Edwin pretty much at the same time. And then I started, I was kind of doing like a solo thing, and then. Ed got involved, and then Max moved out here, and then we just needed we just needed drums, and through a certain process, found Dave. <laughs> we had a we had a drummer before Dave, but you're, you know bands happen. There's just ups and downs, new beginnings and new endings, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Were you guys? Uh, was everybody playing in in bands or in the music scene in Ohio before coming out here? Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Ed was a, it was a rapper. It still is. Um, his project, primarily his his main project only, is uh, <laughs> is called Eminent Domain, and him and I actually collaborated on a project in like 2015 called Big Picture Thoughts, which is a Portland a new. It's kind of like a new Portland uh, manifest or some. Is a town in in flux is just growing like crazy, and I feel like the the buzz around that's kind of slowed down at, at since. But back then it was nuts. It was just, just so much new, so many new beginnings, and yeah. so whatever. And then um, Pat was in a Pat was in a band in Youngstown called Trojan Horse, and they were really really good. Just not the best city to be playing a. Deftones meets Smith's style rock sound. Not that they they did really well in their own regard. If, I don't know. It's small, small town. Yeah, it's interesting how like cultural and like regional things can be, though. 
and you hear certain music and think like, oh, if this was in this city, I think this would probably really click. Everything really has to work together in the most you make you think it has to work together in the most perfect way to like or like take Seattle in the early '90s or stuff like that, like the perfect storm. Yeah, everything. Uh, did you and Edwin have the intent of playing music out here when you when you oh, came to Portland? Was that a big reason that drew you into this city it was, particularly? It was definitely a thing for me. I knew people here. I have family here. So I had I'd been to visit a couple years before I moved. Maybe like actually just two years before I moved. Maybe not even that long. But um kind of knew a part of me wanted to to come be here again. Like I just heard it was like happening or bubbling or something was. And um then I think the show had already been on and you know just hopped on and went and met the people I knew out here already here and lived with my uncle for a little bit and it was awesome. And yeah, I, I definitely was going to start a band and this is just what it, this is what that turned into. And Ed had a sampler and for lack of a better term, I was like, dude, you're in the band. Like, you consider yourself joined. <laughs> Man, you got to, you got to put that thing to use, which he has. And he, now he has like five broken ones in his, in a closet somewhere. He's just <laughs> going just through playing all this wild auxiliary shit. <laughs> yeah. All this atmosphere all right. and textures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always part of the, it's always been a, Part of I don't know yeah, the sound. It's always it's always been the intent of his role. Yeah, he does different things too. But yeah, and you were kind of just bringing like the main parts of these songs that you had written. And yeah, it was us two in the beginning, and then Max joined. Max joined the band after our first drummer was playing with us. Even it was just me and him writing songs in my room. It's it's you know this guy would just bring his drum set over to my house. We had a couple tunes, and then it, I knew it wasn't going to be long before Max was there. So I was kind of able to keep this drummer enticed for at least that long and be like we're gonna we're gonna be a three-piece band it's kind of like we're really a band you know with players on on their way these players (laughs) on the way they'll be here in a week uh what was uh what were some big records or some some bands that were really influencing what you wanted to make happen with salo panto i got into i got into unknown mortal orchestra like seven years too late or six years too late <laughs> that first record of theirs is so amazing i love their first record so much mm. i love the grit and the minimal arranging uh i don't know that that's that's fantastic besides i don't know the ocs were really really kind of like uh they just caught fire really quick i feel like um heard about them that they just became like the such a huge band overnight, so it'd be impossible to ignore their yeah absolutely. They're broad. They're they're very broadly, you know. Now they don't sound anything like they did in 2013, but stuff like that. But yeah, that stuff was. It, I'm really really big Animal Collective fan, and like the the move, like in the middle of that, I was, I was just being really affected by the way that they approached songwriting in general and I, I really studied that for a long time and having uh having something like a wall of like a wall of sound be like more important in a band than uh very slightly background you know atmosphere like the, you can turn that into more of a main player 
or something like that. Just noise incorporating more stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas before, it was stuff I, I was playing like jazzier jam rock stuff, and that still portrays itself in what we do. But uh, I think it's more of a like a turn towards uh, experimental. Yeah, and as far as uh, are you someone when when you do find something that you really dig, you do kind of like break it down and kind of study it and. Yeah, I would be like, I, yeah, for sure. Not uh, with a, like a pen and pad or anything like that, but it's definitely something that I can't help but uh, just get into a little more in depth. Yeah, for sure. Trying to think of a, you know, try to think of an example. But uh, I guess the Dirty Projectors music's just like total fodder for that kind of thing. When you think about like the the theory and arranging that goes into what they do, and in a the levels of uh, complexity between records of theirs, because they started off really all over the place and eclectic, and then the Swing Low Magellan album is just like a very uh, cut and dry pop rock record. It's 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 not it's pop rock in the sense of like a I don't know maybe in the sense of like Paul Simon would be pop rock but it's yeah it's there's so much thought into it still yeah dave but, how long have you been up in portland um i want to say five years now i think it was october it was october of 2015 thanks so i probably met you like right when you moved up here then because i met you at the waypost that night when you were did, was it head yeah. north or finally north finally north finally north yeah with good old brennan and sean is that uh, still exist at all not not quite um we've since gone on to do to do separate things sean's uh i know brendan's doing his own thing sean's running a studio down in uh db nation right now uh called sorry called db nation in multnomah village oh nice um but that's that's since uh passed on but um yeah i met you right when you moved here then yeah that was yeah that we we did a couple gigs around town and we were kind of cutting cutting our teeth on some new music and then dove into the studio to record a record that actually has since not really not really wrapped up but uh we we kind of played around the town a little bit um and since then i've just been playing with uh with these guys since since then really yeah I met, I met joe joe was the first person i met like that wasn't somebody i had moved up here with i moved up with sean and brendan and, and their girlfriends and uh was trying to trying really hard to get land a job <laughs> so i was uh i was working at outback back in cupertino california and uh was busting down the uh, outback in beaverton for a job and the manager was like, "Hey, this guy plays music too." Oh, nice! <laughs> Technically, the, the very first person I met that wasn't somebody that I didn't have a like a exchange with at a at a business or something. We like got that. him on the rebound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By all strong technicalities, though. we got him on the rebound. <laughs> Were you pretty drawn into the tunes right away? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so they were, uh, they, as Joe mentioned, they had a drummer before before I was in the band, and the show, the sh first show I saw them at, saw them at the uh, the drummer and the singer had had unfortunately just uh, 
split from the band. Our lead singer and drummer quit like two weeks before the show. Two weeks before. Your lead singer? Yeah, yeah we had a we had a singer singer, <laughs> um, and and his friend, the drummer. They both quit. They both quit the band, citing um, citing differences of um, what's the word? Differences of like like partying uh, standards. We thought it was okay to bring beers to speak right into that thing. We we, we thought it. <laughs> there we go. We thought bringing beers to like a weeknight rehearsal wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, as long as it didn't get in the way of communication, they argued that it did get in the way of communication. Um, that's it. Doesn't matter at this point. Like it's years down the road. Just differences. And differences. And differences and in, in approach they, and whatnot. In all, wasn't the in, right match. In all actuality, they're probably right. <laughs> 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 but that's um, hilarious. Anyway, yeah. so, I'm still trying to communicate with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> five years. <laughs> Anyways, like two weeks before the show, I was like, "Damn, we, we've been hyping this up for for weeks," and it was. It was actually really well attended. So what I did was uh, programmed all the songs to have um, electronic drum arrangements that we kind of worked around. Me and the bass player Ed kind of doing like the sample thing, and the uh, the guitarist. So there's four of us on stage, no drummer, and it was okay. It, it really was all right. Yeah, I mean it it worked. It sounded good. There was a. There was a serious element missing, and that would be, uh, you know, the human one, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the human spirit. Absolutely. And uh, and with drums and everything that that does for and to music. So uh, Dave was there. You know, I he was, was like, like, "Do you guys like need someone to play?" The <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I think they got off stage, and I was just like, "Hey, man, I." Like let's let's jam. I, I think we were we were probably in in the practice spot within the next week or two, because um, I had been working with uh, Joe and, and Carter. Speak right into that. And thing. Max, <laughs> Joe Carter and Max. I was I was work. I met all of them working at Outback, and since you know, dude, the Outback gang. That's yeah, we, killer. Gang. Hell, we, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah, we we probably were practicing sooner soon after that, and I remember you were already playing in. Two bands besides our band, besides Sailor That's Tinto. right. And yeah. um, the thing, there was this thing amongst us that was kind of like an unsaid uh, agreement. We aren't going to really go ahead with like, writing new songs. Like you have, we had maybe six or seven, and those were the ones that he was going to learn and play with us. Was the first EP out at that time yet? No. Okay. But largely written or it was well def- underway definitely not out but yeah. underway for sure and, and largely written and surely 80 percent of the songs that are on the first cp we played at that that show without a drummer which is just so funny to think now that it even happened there's like pictures of it and shit i think i've yeah. had like a random video it's ding 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 Whatever. I, yeah, I, I just times. remember hearing one of the one of the songs that had already kind of been worked out at that sh- at the Ash Treat show. I saw them play Enchilada, and I was like, "Man, I gotta like, there's gotta be a drummer on this song." Like, I just came up to him. I was like, "We we gotta we gotta." Do <laughs> I was doing. Uh, I was I was programming the drums from a synth I had. It was a Roland Juno synth I had that had all these great sounding drum kits on it, like you know, software drum kits. And um, 
I had a two track looper that what I, it was actually, honestly the best case scenario for us was a, uh, one of the tracks would have snare and uh, maybe another symbol, you know, like maybe hi-hat and snare would, would be on one of the two. And then the other one I could have, a ride similar, like like a kick would be on the other one that you can take out and put back in again and have that little bit of dimension with these two channels. You know, you can take things from and put them back in, you know, like a DJ will cut out and, you know, come back in. That's kind of like what we were doing with the drums a lot of the time in that show. I don't, I don't long to do it again, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there is something I always, there is like really something I find appealing. Uh, to that being done well, not that it was mm. done well, but I can see like a, a Tom York played at the Schnitzer in uh, I think October this year, and that was no drummer and unbelievable just presentation of of live manipulation yeah. of electronic music at out of control. And you like to think that they're all doing that on the spot, right? And it's not just you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's reacting or yeah. When when somebody can pull pull it off like with the drum machine the right way, mm -hmm. it is it is pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Um. So, Dave, what was your like approach to playing these songs that were already intact? If there was like no records to go off of or anything, was there just? Well, I'll I'll be honest. Joe here has an incredible mind for for rhythm. And just kind of as he's working out songs, there's a lot of, uh, I feel like we kind of write the drum parts together starting off. And then he kind of lets me go, go where I, where I need to with it, take, take my own liberties and my own take on it. But I mean, to be honest, it was, it's always been really easy to find a, a starting point because we both have a, a really clear idea with with where the riffs are at where the drum parts need to go so i think that since day one has been you know joe imagines the you know the snare notes are up here on this end of the spectrum and the kick notes are here let's see what we can we can build that beat yeah you know, we can build it from there the drums are kind of uh, never an afterthought very much a part of the the writing process no it's it's always been it's always been kind of a, a clear starting ground, and then you know some some songs are easier for me to find out what to do right, like what the right idea is to do right off the bat, more so than others. Some sometimes it kind of takes a couple weeks of practices, kind of sussing it out and figuring out okay what's what's too much, what's what needs work, but um, for the most part, it's actually it's really fluid. I mean, writing music with these guys is, is always been always been chill joe are you still kind of bringing the like the main parts to of the tunes to the band or are you guys is it a super collaborative experience at this point all intents and purposes um i guess it's it's fair to it's fair to say yes um pat writes music it's funny like we have we should have a lot more music recorded it's just i i feel like we only record the stuff that we are 100 percent convinced that we should yeah. record and and do mm -hmm. we've we've had countless songs countless songs that you know they're they're presented to the band and we like them and then come back to them and a week later it's like yeah it's probably just 
work on what we already know and get it better. But no, Pat wrote the title track to the newest EP we did, and it's so good. Love playing it. Bait? And yeah. <clears throat> Bait's killer. That's one, yeah. Of, yeah. That's one of my favorite songs on the record for sure. Yeah. So as far as like someone having an idea and bringing it to the table, um, no one's part is ever no one's part in any song is ever entirely written out for them. There's always like if 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 there's an idea that I want Dave to just like try and do, there's always the whole rest of the song from the do whatever he wants to do yeah. to it. So yeah, no, he's we're all I mean yeah we're all capable of of running with whatever kind of idea someone brings to the table in our own ways. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I guess I, yeah, I bring majority of them, but it's, you know, it's, it's changing. He brings it to the band. It becomes a, becomes a band thing. Yeah. Say. And everybody's like pretty good about speaking up of, Hey, I don't think this one is really working. The song sucks, most bro. Of the, most of them are terrible. The song yeah. sucks. We're, we're actually the one to help. All the ones helping him out. <laughs> yeah. You've got to hear a lot totally of times. Totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. You've got to hear a lot of times. Joe, have you always been pretty comfortable as someone, like a front person? Well, you know, I loved when we had our... We're, we're still friends with Tyler, who was our short-lived lead singer, front man. He just dominated a room. He just controlled everything when he walked into like a... An environment. He's he's dancing all over the place, never too like untasteful, and and never getting in anyone's way as far as uh, like personal space or anything like that. Tyler was just still such a magnetic and just amazing personality and and guy. So when we had him fronting our band, he he could sing well. We could harmonize with them, and it was really fun. And uh, I loved having the freedom to only play guitar for the most part and and it's and it, at points you know sing and etc but being faced with being faced with um not having <laughs> not having that person anymore mm-hmm. yeah it's it's gotten easier it wasn't definitely it definitely wasn't easy at first but um you were writing all the lyrics though for these no, songs we, we or was to, tyler writing with you we were writing them together okay and we it was a it was it was good to back it was good to throw it off of someone else spitball back and forth now um edwin is he's a fantastic writer he he and i do it a lot and and so on and so forth or he'll throw ideas at my way and so on you know if something he thinks would fit for an idea he'll send it to me and a lot of times it does a lot you know ed's lyrics showed up in many of our songs but uh yeah it's see everyone would say that it is totally my thing like, you know, <laughs> what like, do you think, Dave? You're in the room, like, no comment. No, it's, I'm it's, totally, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Is, is, you know, if anyone's, it's definitely a group group effort, but we we have a fearless leader, and and that's and that's Joe. I mean that. I mean, he's in, really come into his own with with singing and everything, and and bands sometimes need that. You know, someone's got to be that person. Oh yeah, and. Oh, nothing would obviously get done if he would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and obviously, you found you found a group of musicians who believe or, or are willing to put their energy into the to, like the ideas that you are bringing consistently. It's very easy to forget that, and always very wonderful to remember. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, it's, I, no, I think that's sure. special when people like 
especially more than one person is just yeah we're gonna trust that this dude is like knows yeah. what he hears and whatnot you know yeah. and and obviously i don't know it sounds like you still make it a, a collaborative environment and speaking to you know bait being written by pat you said yeah and things things of that nature um it does sound like what i i think i noticed on the on the bait ep is this is definitely like the strongest vocal performances i think on on a record Absolutely. is that is that fair to say 100 percent the and i like the other the other two records yeah. are great man like Thanks. i listen to 2020 somethings a lot cool and thank you i really dig that album as well and there's and there's killer tunes on the on the first release as well but thank you. it just seems like there's a a next level of maybe comfortability definitely finding your your own as a as a front person and definitely definitely and the, the second one was done uh, by a wonderful guy LT. named lt page he had just had a child and um we kind of just floated it out to him like hey we, you, we know that your life has changed and you know free time as it exists is kind of you know an abstract thing to you now and um but we want what do you want we want you to record our ep is <laughs> like how it was and uh he did he did a great job but when it came down to uh cutting vocals i just said to him i'll do them on my own send them to you mix them put them to the music that we've already recorded and we can kind of go from there assembling things you know cross town basically he was in vancouver and i i just um that that you know, we we didn't have a lot of time and money to actually work on it and sit down and and do that like professionals can now and send each other the files and a couple notes and you got you know you whatever it's fine but I think what it could have used is a little more maybe a little more makeup or something the new one we did was with someone who genuinely I think trusted our songs to work themselves. Uh, to their full like to their full potential with his guidance like he i feel like cameron speaks who we did the newest dp with I've, I've he'd seen our band once and then i i, I truly felt or at least generally when we started um recording with him that when he uh was able to kind of hear the songs that we were going to do he was able to i don't know i, I loosen up maybe and let them take their own shape and and he just you know guide the maybe hold our pen yeah kind of acted like in a, as a producer role just a little bit and he would hold our pen or draw back our arrow <laughs> or it was the perfect amount of support yeah and yeah pretty doing that record with him was it easy for you for you guys to allow him to do that and just kind of trust to just what be, he was hearing to just be ink <laughs> or you know, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. No. <laughs> no. I think, Absolutely. I think that's. Uh, and, and his and his. Okay. Great point. His he would tell me things when I was singing that I would never think about as a singer because I don't really think of myself as a singer. So you know he would he would here's a point he try this I would never think to do that. It's like wow that's actually a really good idea, you yeah. know. And when when I was doing the the second ep's vocals in my old 
apartment. It's just me and a microphone and my laptop just going, okay, that sounds okay. I'll try to do that again. Okay, that sounds fine. Moving on. You know, it's just there there's was nobody no, there, there was, to, exactly. There's nobody there <laughs> to give you the me, feedback or this. You shouldn't do that. You should definitely do that again. You know, <laughs> this isn't going to work. You're just going off all your own instincts with trying to get it done. no other ears. Eventually, eventually, I was just, oh, that it's done. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really great to have him in, in many ways. And that being a yeah, I would imagine that would be rad. Um, especially a few recordings deep now, mm-hmm. as you guys all get more comfortable playing with another, like one another too, for sure. developing that chemistry, and then to add somebody else's ears on top of that to mm-hmm. kind of shed some light on some things that maybe you all can't see as a group because yeah. you're too caught up in the tune. Yeah. Well, uh, let's jump into a jam off of off of the Bait EP. Um, one of my favorite tunes. Off of it is the, uh, I'm fucking this up because I, there it is, Wildfires. Yeah. Really dig Wildfires. Thanks. I, I feel like it kind of has a, like a 60s psych popadel- like pop psychedelic uh, thing going. Popadelic. <laughs> yeah, I just created that right now, which is great. <laughs> it's uh, very, uh, we, can with, yeah. we can go with that. Popadelic. Trademark. Yeah, that's, <laughs> what does uh, Salo Pinto sound like? They are Popadelic. No, I feel I feel like this one really has like some cool '60s pop with the, with the the psychedelic Thanks. vibes going on. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely there. This song, I I wrote this song with a friend of mine named Ben Wilson, who lives in Australia. Hi, Ben. What's um, up, Ben? It's yeah, it's 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 been a long time coming. It was years ago and. Yeah, like how it like how it turned out. So um, when you say you wrote it with him, what does what does that kind of look like? And the the main kind of lick, the yeah, like I wrote that and that whole kind of like progression and uh, the chorus was he you know it needed something else and basically all we did was the idea that I had as it as it existed then. We just added a G chord to the progression, and everything else just fell into place. It was his just kind of turn, or the, you know, little extra something that uh, that turned into the chorus. And I think he actually recorded this song also, or he asked me if it was okay for him too. And I was like, "Of course, you know, of course you can." Yeah, it's you know, what it is, what it is. So we have to have to check that one out if if it's a thing. Well, this is the uh, the Salo Painto version of Wildfires, and uh, this is off the Bait EP.
that wildfires jam also has some uh like some vocal sampling going on towards the end yes and then that's also present in the the song prior um yes and i noticed that was just kind of a common thing going on like especially in the 2020 somethings uh-huh. is that uh an important part of the the creative process or the just the production to have those added narratives in there yeah i i've always loved it everything from hip hop to dark side of the moon to just Terrence McKenna Terrence yeah yeah Chris Thompson <laughs> yeah i just think it does a lot it's one way it, it, you know you'd hope the you'd hope and think that whatever they're talking about is relevant to the song and sometimes it just sometimes it does just sound cool mm-hmm. yeah you know but regardless i just love the sound it's still something you have to like even if you dig what they're saying it has to have feel to it to yeah. go with the song too yeah like you're saying it has to sound cool mm-hmm. as well you know right like the dark side of the moon questions that they ask those people that does something else to that does it make that album like would that album still be the best record ever without those questions like and those answers probably yeah but how like how cool is is that like, oh, yeah. i'm not frightened of dang you know yeah like, absolutely they ask people like um have you ever been in a fight all like basic questions and then why or you know and like stuff I, like I really no i was pretty drunk at the time pretty drunk at the time <laughs> but um i was big sublime fan uh much more so when i was younger and they do they do a really awesome yes awesome job of uh hey man of bringing in samples to their uh to their sound especially on their second record robin the hood i think that's a really underrated album in terms of uh bare bones production techniques four track stuff that's that record's so sick absolutely so now i just dig what the uh those different vocal samples can kind of just how they do add their own separate narrative and Mm -hmm. it's just a a different voice in there um there's a there's a sample on our first dp that we don't even play the song anymore not not that i think it has a sample at his disposal anymore but it was this um it was this recording that the us would send they would blare this recording into the jungle in vietnam of someone like saying in it was a vietnamese voice saying stuff like go back you're all you're all ghosts already like you're go, you're heading towards a certain death yeah, really this is the trippy terrifying stuff. shit and it sounded sounded like awesome a, <laughs> it was like a vietnamese woman it was right? scary Almost as hell like loudspeaker it's yeah. it was so so frightening when you it, when you hear it it is just a woman speaking but when you get that backstory it's like oh that is the most terrifying thing yeah. i can even conceive or what you know it's so so scary so it's thrown in our song yeah <laughs> but yeah that was, that's always been a, a big thing that's just fans of we're just fans of stuff like that for sure yeah i love how like just even something that's in a completely different language can just add so much yeah feel to something too yeah like it was as soon as ed got a sampler 
it was on. It was, it was just a big part of what our music was going to turn into. Yeah, making full use of it yeah. as an instrument in the For band. Sure. I think, yeah, I think that was, that shit is just like such a such a game changer. We've we've played shows without Ed. We've played shows with Ed where his stuff wasn't working and and so on and so forth. But yeah, he he brings a lot. As, um, as little as it might actually be, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> the first show we ever played as Salopanto, he oh um, his cable like shut out. Or I should say, I meant shit out. And um, he was like headbanging, and the lights on the machine were on, and we were using a lot of loop pedals, and we were making a lot of noise our, ourselves. You couldn't really tell that he wasn't doing anything. And then after the show, people were going up to Ed, and they were like, Ed, you killed it, man. Good job. And he was just like, thanks, man. Thanks, dude. <laughs> thanks. He's like, I know. I know I did a good job. <laughs> I've been practicing. It wasn't he the first it. time that's ever happened, too. We play, the, the second time it happened, he had acquired tambourine and was like pretty good at tambourine at this point. And that's when we played with Cambrian Explosion and Gardener at Holocene a couple years ago now, maybe, maybe a year or two ago now. And that show was awesome. Like, we, there, there was, you know, Cambrian Explosion and. People, you know, there's good turnout, and uh, none of none of us knew that Ed wasn't uh, participating at all. Besides tambourine, you know, <laughs> poor guy's hand was just <laughs> falling off at the end of the. But you know, people come up to him like, "Dude, crushed it!" And so we all actually know he's he's not. Gonna, oh, I actually had nothing to do with that. <laughs> besides tambourine, but nothing was working. Yeah, um, it's, it's, yeah. As far as uh, as lyrics go, are you someone that's usually writing about a, a theme or more of like from a character's point of view rather than your own point of view, or is it a mixture of of both? Wow, uh, I've never been asked a question like that before. I would have to say definitely both. I mean, um, I think that's really cool to try to like rearrange your own perspective to write songs from someone else's viewpoint. And that's definitely happening maybe at times in our, in our stuff, but a lot of stuff is kind of just most of the time, most of the time it's Edwin or myself just kind of interpreting what we see and people we meet. Yeah. We, the, a lot of the 2020 something stuff is about, um, we could we could almost bring the songs back to specific people. I mean, I can clear as I mean clear as day in in some cases. Um, but uh, yeah, the metric is about one person. Twenty twenty somethings is about more or less one person. And uh, there was a lot. The track we don't play the one song track two on that EP is called Curb Spoken Word. Curb Spoken Word. It's about a girl. On the curb. <laughs> <laughs> no, that song was about the the uh, the in, insane response and reaction to uh, the uh, the Springwater Corridors homeless camp problem oh, okay. and the uh, what's the word removal and just basically like the displacement of the of the growing camps. Yeah, it was like where are these people going to go? Just somewhere else, 
Now they're doing all this. Uh, anyways, yeah, we're. It's there. A lot of uh, reactions or observations from our own, from our own perspective, for sure. As as opposed to from uh, someone else's uh, gaze or whatever. Yeah. Look. Um. One thing I really, I think comes comes through in all the tunes on on the Bait EP that you guys seem to really dial in. Joe, you were talking earlier how like before this you were pretty influenced by like more jazzy stuff or playing more jazzy jammy stuff and how the jam stuff still you know is there in the Salo Painto stuff but I just really appreciate the uh the balance between those jammy moments but still the hooky moments of the song and I feel like what you guys do a like a really awesome job is it's like you have those jammy moments but they never overshadow the song or it always comes back to it it never gets destroyed by the jam. Wow, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that something that has just happened naturally with the progression of things, or is it is it something that you guys are conscious of, of like, hey, like this is a great song and it's cool that we're leaning into this jam, but I, I don't think it needs to go for two minutes I here. Think we've all, we've been very critical in a in the in the best way possible at knowing when when it's time to wrap it up you know absolutely we've we've gone through many of the songs as they've been written sometimes the very next practice we go you know that part needs to be exactly half as long yeah we never want to over we don't don't want to bore anybody (laughs) see there's 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 a lot of um there's a lot of thought put into that and for you to voice to voice it that way is it's it's yeah, I'd like to think that you're hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah, but I don't want to sound so, you know. Of, yes, of course, that's what we think. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> but there's some intent, and you guys put thought into these things. Yeah, you know? no, it's which I don't, I don't know. I think it is clear mm-hmm. that that is the case. But yeah, um, yeah, it just seems like the song never gets sacrificed for someone to go off on a a solo, and I think it's all like. Yeah. done really tastefully but then you do have this opportunity with a song like bait to like just really let shit rip for seven minutes you know <laughs> yeah and i think that that's like a very happy balance between those things where it is like hey we can write these cool songs that have these hooky moments but we can also do this shit <laughs> i uh i'm a huge fan of the flaming lips and i i i love just their approach to to songwriting and kind of just being a band in general, they have a they have a song called "Powerless," which is like a seven or eight minute song with a very long, outstretched psychedelic guitar solo part that that uh, uh, Wayne Coyne plays. And when when you hear him talk about this song, they're like, "Yeah, when we first started writing the uh, the Powerless song, I'm pretty sure we were going to make the guitar solo something like eight or nine hours long, <laughs> but." We just decided it's gonna be on the album. We'll make it like eight minutes long, but it's just you know everyone wants to do that. Like in the right circumstance, you might even get a couple people to listen to that whole song. You know, probably not, but that's <laughs> that's what you want. You want people to trust you enough to be like, okay, Wayne, take me on a seven-minute guitar solo adventure, mm. presumably yeah. on acid or just you know. Or what? Whatever. But yeah, I don't know. That's we aren't we aren't 
plotting out our songs to be seven hours long, but we like to you know, expand on them and, and we love, you know, just playing. And I, I love the idea of, uh, having a, a, a variety of kind of influence in the sound itself, not letting things just get carried away into the same kind of freak out that all of our songs could turn into. I said before, you know, we like to sound like our favorite 12 bands instead of like our favorite three bands. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I don't know. There, I feel like there's a lot of different dynamics on the Bay EP. You know, like on a song like, uh, like Tumbleweeds, I feel like that has more kind of 90s vibes to it especially with like the huge guitar solos kind of have some of those dinosaur junior vibes and like pavement and that kind of thing going on but yeah i don't know it just seems like there's there's a lot there but like i said it just seems like it's done very tastefully as far as uh the focus of the tunes like you're making these cool psych rock songs but they're they don't have to be nine minutes all of them you know thank you um humongous pavement fan so for you to drop that is a dude that crooked teeth record is a big one for me for sure so uh love all their stuff it's awesome very cool band um very cool. but then it, i would also imagine it opens it up still for the live sets like you can let it rip longer mm-hmm. if you want to and is that something that happens pretty often or yeah. like during the live sets there's uh there's definitely planned spontaneity i would i would call it sometimes and so, you know sometimes joe has an idea um uh, like hey we we, we kind of have these cues we know when when a conclusion's yeah. happening what right. little little things that can kind of guide us to the end of a song and then let it go longer if it needs to in a in a few but yeah we have Bro. a couple yeah. we have a couple songs where we can we can play them a couple of different ways mm-hmm. and I, it's nothing that other bands don't do but, but you know but we came up with it but it's all right <laughs> <laughs> all right Pat. <laughs> but um yeah depending on the amount of time that we have to play or the room we're playing or the other bands we're playing with whatever yeah um we can extend whatever stuff and get real jammy if the occasion calls for it and we love doing that so i heard this cool uh a big big i like nirvana and both smashing pumpkins a lot and i heard that when when nevermind went crazy big and got crazy huge and famous billy corgan was sitting there like well shit i like to play guitar solos and if this is the rock medium now this is everything that it's led to at this point this is what the people want well then, what the you know, what the hell is his band going to be? Because they play these six minute long yeah. epic songs with guitar solos. Absolutely. In them. And you know, it's 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 very sad that that Kurt Cobain passed away. But with him went, uh, I think the formulaic part of not that's that's so terrible to say. The Pumpkins blew up after he died. So with him, you know, I think people were like, well, no one's going to do that as good as he did. So then, boom! There's, there's, uh, melancholy like a year later. Yeah, man. So he he. It opened up some kind of, um, huge, valley, or you know, the pumpkins just filled it. Filled the void. And we, I, yeah, it's. I like to think like a lot of that. 
not only maybe not only Nirvana, but the Pumpkins influenced me. The earlier stuff, especially. Yeah, dude. Billy. Yeah, Billy is just like such a unique dude to the whole thing too. It was so different than yeah. the Nirvana thing. Yeah, you know, Chicago, just definitely just playing like power rock, music big its own fucking cool guitars. Way. I saw them at the Moda Center last August. You went to that? Yeah. I heard that shit was amazing. It was it I'm was so amazing. That I didn't go it to that. was out of control. <laughs> Am I allowed to say can I cursing's cool, right? Yeah, dude. Oh, you yeah. can say that was one of the best shows I've ever <laughs> fucking seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was so sick. Fuck it yeah, was, Joe. It, it was amazing. They they, fucking they played only music from the first five records. Yeah. I don't know any music after the first four records, you know? Uh, so there's a couple songs snuck in there I really I didn't know. Yeah. But I can't imagine seeing them not doing a tour like that and just being like, oh, play today or or Rocket or Hummer or Mayonnaise. They Some played mayonnaise, all those songs. Dude. They played all those songs. Fucking Mayonnaise. You know? It was amazing. That was so, so good. Anyways, yeah. I think definitely that... that Tumbleweeds is totally like a. We're, we're we love that shit so much, so it's definitely going to present itself in our, in yeah. our music. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good, and I just think Thank like you. the bait EP in general just is uh is like a pretty next level progression for like the band and like just the way like it sounds sonically is is killer. The drums are huge, and the but they also sound like very alive and and kind of loose in some ways but the guitars and are fucking massive like and they're like they're not i don't know it's not gross it it's seems like, like cameron has had no short rush he's had no shortage of work yeah. as of late and for good reason he's just he's such an awesome person to be in the studio with because he's so just leveling everything has more of a, a relaxed quality to it everything's gonna be okay everything is just (laughs) nothing no one seems on edge he's got a really good uh way about making things flow like about way about letting a group work together and you know there's going to be times when two of the five of you want to do something the other two or three in the room at that time don't and We'll probably steer the way of meeting them. Steer the ship. He'll Uh, he'll write the ship. That is also (laughs) like another cool thing about having a producer or somebody else in the room to kind of manage those, you know, those arguments uh, within a a creative project of, you know, what's the right move here because people can get so caught up in what they think is the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, like, we, I mean, as we're trying to figure it out, sometimes we don't even know. Like, or mm. we're like, we've got the general idea down, but sometimes you need somebody that isn't invested as much as you are to just be like, all right, this is, you, you can kind of believe it to yeah. be like the right thing to do. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or tell you, you probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this like, is, I don't uh, think it never came off that harsh. Like, no, if I, yeah, of yeah. course. It, I this know, is you know, not it an didn't. idea to tie like, your wagon to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great way of, Let's of not saying that. that. I remember one. There was one thing I said. Maybe we should do it. His he said something like, "I just think for the amount of time that we have left, and the amount of time that will take, it might not exactly be worth it." (laughs) Which immediately tosses an idea right out the window. We're done. It's like, all right, yeah, that's a wrap. It was good. It makes you feel about better about what we already did. 
too. Great experience, great facility. Trash Treasury Recording Studio. Look it up. Shouts out to Cameron. Shouts out Cameron Spies. Where's that at? Night Heron. It's um, on, I think it, it's right near my work. It's on like 6th Avenue. It's on Madison, Madison and like 4th or 3rd okay. by Water, by Water yeah. Avenue and Madison. Are you guys the type that like to sit in the in the mixing room and be very uh, participant in, in that situation? Actually, cool thing about working with Cameron was we set up days that we were going to pay him to mix. Like these were the days we had to reserve them ahead of time because there were other producers that use Trash Treasury Studio. Other people work from there, you know. And so Cameron was like, the first day is going to be just me. That's that's EQing drums. Yeah. And there's no need for us to be there telling him, wait. Yeah. Uh, uh, dude, uh, I can't stand know? I can't stand sitting in the room for right. that shit, you know, dude. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't. it's tedious. And you think that you're hearing stuff while they're actually just trying to get everything just like to a baseline of yeah. dialed in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those that was it was nice for him to just kind of say, hey, these are the days I'm going to be doing this, but these first two days are just going to be me. You know, I get a lot of work done, and from there you tell them, "Oh, how about this? Yeah. And how about that?" It's it's so much better. Only in, only until you're nearing the final. Yeah. Output yeah. What do you need? Yeah. Honestly, it was it was to the point where he was sending us rough mixes. Like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm done with this one. Let me know what you want to do. You know, it's like, okay, here's here's the last two, so. You know, and from there we just send them notes, yada yada. Just finish this. It was, yeah, definitely on our end, hands off, until it was crunch time. Like this is almost done. Make the last, you know, make the last marks. Yeah, it was great. It was great. As you could tell, it's just people that that really knew what they were doing. Absolutely, I, and I think yeah, just from the. From the get-go of the record, man, it's uh, like it's very easy to just kind of slip into, I think, with with Impatient Machine, just kind of open it up with some space at the beginning. But yeah. just like, I don't know, I was just like really quickly grabbed by that tune and I was just like, oh, this record's going to like, this is going to be fucking great. This this already sounds killer. Thank you. We're, Thanks, man. We're sucked with it, too. Um, or at least Dave and I are. <laughs> Wayne. Dave and Joe are pumped. <laughs> the rest of the band's on strike. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we don't like this record, and we're not showing up for this <laughs> podcast. We're not even coming to this. Um, what about artwork? Is that something that you like to uh, – is there someone in the band that is handy with this stuff, or is it is it just uh, someone you outsource it to? We always have – we've always outsourced – I don't know. Um, maybe I – made a couple show flyers in the past but our first ep and a lot of our work there is i guess if there was a primary um contributor it's bo lindstrom and he uh, i think he currently lives in salt lake city or around it he's done he, well, he did the first ep artwork the new t-shirts we have now he's he did the design for um just other other nicks and necks flyers etc but um is that what that piece on the wall is no the the newest ep artwork was done by um i wish i didn't i wish i knew leo's last name leo uh bun versus the snail Uh, you can find his work tagged thoroughly on our instagram page but 
Leo is a friend who I met at my local uh, dive bar establishment, Chippehoy Tavern. And uh, we are introduced to each other by another friend of ours who knew that we were both big pavement fans. So it is, there is this circle of uh, pavement, I guess you can call it. Uh, Leo and I, <laughs> we would hang out at the ship and listen to pavement because they had some of the pavement records on their jukebox. And then um, another friend of mine was like, you know, he uh, he did the Ila Bamba Mujeres oh, album okay. cover, yeah. to which I had a T-shirt of. I think that, that album's really good. That's a really... I mean, awesome record. Loses unreal, dude. Unreal, <laughs> really, really great. Ila Bamba, yeah, amazing band, sick, sick record. Um, and so I was like, oh wow, I had no idea that this was Leo stuff. And then it made sense when I, you know, looked back at the things of his that I had seen, having known him for a little bit, and they said, well, okay, wow, it's that's incredible. And talked to Leo, and it was just, it was his whole like, you can have whatever you want. He, he sent us like nine or ten pieces and was like whatever you want to do with whatever you want to do it you know whatever you want it's like okay we paid him you know whatever a million dollars no <laughs> he didn't he didn't it, it wasn't even a it wasn't a part of the conversation any kind of compensation you know so we first was we were satisfied with whatever we can get from from him and it's i i love it i think it's awesome yeah we need to make sure it's, those are something. But our friend Emily Kepulis did our uh, second albums, our second EP's artwork, and uh, she has a really uh, unique approach. She can pretty much do anything, but she chooses to uh, she chooses to approach from this abstract, very surreal. Sure, it's her art up there next to it. Top and middle. Yeah, the top middle is hers. <laughs> okay, up there. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, she's awesome. Well, that's killer. Yeah. The record's killer. Thank you. I encourage everybody to go check out Bait for sure. And, go get hooked. Uh, if everyone needs a little bait, you know. It's not, there isn't like a, what's the word? There's no thesis about. The collection of tunes. There's no thesis or, about like chasing after something. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, people should chase the shit out of. Don't chase Sorry, it. P. Don't chase it. Just listen <laughs> to it. Bait. You don't even have to chase it. You can just listen. Yeah. You can just see what's good. Um, and I would encourage people to go back in the catalog and check out some of the uh, the previous releases as well, because there's some, a lot of good tunes in the uh, the Salo Panto catalog. Um, what's up with shows right now? You guys out and about with some things on the on the, on the docket. Yeah, so we are playing, we're going on a little road trip end of March. We're doing Oakland, San Jose, Chico, Eugene as of now. Going to try and fill in a couple more dates. Nice. In between there. But um, April, there's, there's, there's whispers of a really cool 420 show. But they're only just whispers. Just whispers. Just yeah. whispers for now. Okay. I mean, truth be told, it's just not something that we're setting up. So I'd be wrong to to announce that it's we're doing this particular thing. So you know, I so stay tuned. Stay tuned. They might be playing be an epic four twenty show. Uh, this 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 year here no, in Portland, Oregon. In Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we're hoping to do something in July with uh, Young Hunter. Potentially, oh, right on. potentially at the Doug Ford. That one I am 
That one it is my ass and only my ass if that falls through. <laughs> previous uh, previous guest of the podcast, fashion. Young Hunter. Oh, nice! That's awesome. That was back when we were doing studio sessions too. So there's some studio videos badass. of them playing. Um, it's badass. Yeah, I, they're rad. Oh man, good people. Um, Met those guys a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> I always I just feel like such an idiot. That one guy wrote. Uh, Sam from Young Hunter wrote this song City of Roses and my drunk ass always whenever I see him I'm like drunk and I'm always like City of Roses <laughs> <laughs> and he, he wrote loves this, it he wrote this great song about moving here right when I heard it like right when I moved here you know it was just it, it spoke to me it's a great song <laughs> you know, so I, I want Young Hunter to play that when we play with them well, I will put all the links in the episode notes so people can follow along right on with what you guys are doing. Uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we can That's get right. the uh, Salo Painto, it's a program, we can properly end this thing. <laughs> Wayne's getting wild. Oh, he's just getting all, oh, he's getting he's super getting cozy. Yes. Scratching up. Oh, okay, it's a program. You did it. It's a program. Dave did it too. Thank Not you one, us. but two. Should we count it off on four? Like we, one, two, three, four. It's, it's a, a program. Silo Panto, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks you guys nailed us. it. It was super fun. Um, and we're going to play it out with the heaviest track on the bait EP, which is the title track. Oh. We get real heavy with this one Thank and play you. it out with. Uh, Play it out with the jam. This is bait, everybody. Thanks, Dan. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Yeah. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side.
It's a program. program.